Yo, this is John from Noise Dosage Media, and this episode is brought to you by Begrudgingly Benny. Interested in putting something horrific and grotesque on your next piece of merch? Benny is tucked away in the fiery depths of COVID quarantine, blasting the filthiest of old school death metal and drawing hideous creatures that he is waiting for you to adopt. Go over to Instagram and follow at Benny and contact him if you would like some really weird original art for your band or label. Super professional, highly recommended. So I'm going to start with the first question here. Uh, between 2010 and 2018, where did the breathing process stand? It seemed like there was a big gap between albums mm. here. Yes. So uh, the band was initially from Connecticut. Uh, that's where I grew up and where uh, it all kind of started. Um, 2010, we were done. We had toured on our second album. Uh, Odyssey Undead for like uh, six six months or so. Um, it was a really short tour cycle for us because the album before we toured for like a year and a half on it probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of like everything just kind of we, we were all at an age where we had spent the last like four years on the road and doing nothing else with our lives except for, you know, living in a van and stuff and everybody right. just kind of started to feel the the fatigue of that lifestyle i think because mm-hmm. it, it's not you know touring for underground metal bands isn't like motley crew in a bus and coke and strippers and the yeah. fun stuff it's right. mostly just grueling long drives for no money and dude motley crew gets brought up on this podcast so many times <laughs> and i i don't understand it because they're Everybody's the perfect like, example of a rock yeah. of the rock star life. Yeah. Because you know? like I ask them, I'm like, so you know, tour questions and stuff. They're like, well, it ain't Motley Crue. I'm like, all yeah. right. Because, Shit, yeah. Because well, that's that's what like people like my friends from like high school that have nothing to do with music. When I say that like I'm on tour, that's what they envision, and yeah, they have no idea that I'm actually like scrounging the cup holder for loose change to buy like a pickle at a gas station or something. Oh man. Yeah. Those hot pickles, <laughs> yeah. the spicy ones. Those are in the definitely, bag. definitely a favorite. The bag they're called, they're, what are they called? Dilly bites or something like that. I think I, th- I thought they were just called pickle in a bag. Oh, you're talking about like the whole pickle, right? Yep. Okay. So there's these things called dilly bites. They sell them at like sheets mm-hmm. or uh, some other gas stations. It's just a perfectly like, it's a little bag with sliced like pickles and they have <laughs> spicy ones and it's, incredible um anyways that has nothing to do with what we're talking about (laughs) Uh, so yeah so we all just kind of like we're just burned out from the road because we like i said uh we toured for about four years without much time in between uh so i don't know we all just kind of decided to like let's just kind of take a break like we'll write another album but we don't have any like rush to do it our contract with the label we were on was was up at that point anyways so mm-hmm. we had like you know time to figure it out and then i moved to pittsburgh um i think right i think in like 2011 or something like that and uh just just kind of being like getting more accustomed to adult life like you kind of have you know it's it's real easy to get to get used to 
and to get kind of complacent in. Yeah. Um, then you're like, shit, man, I got to go on tour. Fuck. Yeah. It's like, it becomes more of a, you know, well, shit, I kind of like, like having money and, and, you know, being able to do things without constantly worrying. <clears throat> so the, there was never like a plan of like, you know, well, we're going to break up or, or, or anything. It was just kind of, you know, we'll figure out what, what we're doing as we take some time and like, you know, we'll all still write and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Cause I noticed, man, I looked on a, I, every time I look into a band, um, I go on the encyclopedia metalum yeah. and I looked on past members. I'm like, Holy shit, man. They've been like grinding for fucking <laughs> years, man. Mm. Like, like so, you look past the music and you're like, there's a lot more to it, man. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's one thing I've mentioned this on another podcast before too. Like, those sites, the people that they list as ex members, like ninety percent of them were never actually like members of the band. Right. It was like one person filled in on like one or two shows, and then magically they're online as like former guitarist, or former <laughs> bassist, or former. Yeah, oh. or like one one person like that is on there. I don't even think played any shows with us at all ever. Like he was going to drum for us. And then our, uh, our original drummer ended up just staying in the band. So like he was, there was at one point when he was going to leave, like the drummer we used to have on the first album, not the one we have now, but um, he was like gonna, he was going to leave and just stop playing music for a while. So we got like, we started working with another drummer to get ready for like some shows we had. And this was when we were still like, not even, a signed band or anything and somehow that person is listed on every single one of those websites as former drummer and I'm like how what do they the even fuck? know who this person is i don't understand it they like but stalk your facebook so it must be yeah like and i mean for me like i don't really consider like a good portion of those years because it was a lot of that like before probably 2007 like we were just a local band in the connecticut scene that like no one other than people in new england knew and we sounded way different and you know we were just kind of all young musicians trying to find like yeah a sound sound. Yeah. yeah so until like 2007 when we switched into like what you know kind of the style that we have now that's really like what i consider like the beginning or it's just because the earlier than that was just like a completely separate thing it just happened to have the same name gotcha so off of the uh touring question mm-hmm. you know what are some tips or advice that you could give to a band that's like first like thinking about going on tour for the first time <clears throat> okay my first piece of advice to anyone that asks me this question is don't fucking do it <laughs> because it is it sucks but it's a it's a necessity. So like it's it's just part of the gig. You have to get out of your hometown and you have to go play places. The best yeah. way to do it is I think and this happened with us too. Like had we not had that mentality of like, you know, we have to put one hundred percent of our time and energy into a band and go on tour even though there's no money involved. You kinda of, like that if we didn't have that mentality then, then we probably would never have gotten signed or gotten like the touring opportunities that we got. Because you yeah. kind of need that level of like grinded out mentality to be in a band that's like serious about doing anything, because right. it takes a long time to to like generate any revenue, if at all, if ever. Um, but in my you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized like 
a lot of the tours, not a lot, but some of the tours that we did, like we could have easily just not done them and still probably, you know, gotten to the same place. But we were so mm-hmm. eager to just, you know, be in a band on the road that we didn't think about anything. We didn't think about expenses. We were just kind of like, we'll just wing it and hope that we survive. And luckily we did pretty much every time. <laughs> Yeah, right. so the the best thing to do is just realize that it costs a lot of money to tour, and the and a more lot money, of time, dude, and a lot of time, and the more money that you have set aside for that, that you're not relying on the band to make back for you, the easier it is to do. You know, so right. like to put that into perspective, now that we're all like in our 30s and are semi-responsible adults. Like when we go out and tour, we don't do it because we need the income from the band to do it. We all work normal jobs that we're lucky enough to all kind of be in positions where we can go tour when we want to. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're not like, like if we don't make a dime from touring, we don't come home like with a, you know, soup can in our hand on the corner and a sad face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, and you still accomplish the same thing. You're still promoting your music. You're still playing shows. You're just smarter about it. Like the, you don't need to like to to go and tour for two months straight as an unknown band anymore, especially with the internet. Now, yeah, exactly. You build you just drop a right really way. good fucking album, man. Like yeah. that's all it takes is one YouTube uh, channel to just be like, yeah. whoa, these guys are amazing, and you're fucking yeah. golden. Like a perfect example of that is uh, Shadow of Intent, where yep. they rather than. I mean, like the guitar, the main songwriter plays in another band called Currents, who was kind of yep. touring and stuff already. But for Shadow of Intent, they just wrote, they spent all the time that some bands would just say, let's go tour whether we're ready or not. They spent that time just writing and recording. And when they made a product that sounded, you know, really good, they put it out. And then their fan base just grew organically without them ever playing a show ever. Their first show that they ever played was in yeah, Connecticut, it was and it was it was sold out the first night because they actually built something that people wanted to see. Because I feel really like what, that would be you know, that would be super nerve wracking. Like not well, the thing is, like technically they haven't played a show before. Yeah. And it's like all right, we're playing to a packed crowd the first night. Here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like I can't imagine like that. That would probably be like nerve wracking. I still get nervous on some shows like a little bit before we start. Cause yeah. And I've done, I've played like thousands at this point in my life, you know? So like, I can't imagine what they would probably feel like never really performing the songs together on a stage and just going from that to being, you know, sold out crowds and whatnot. Right. Big, big as fuck. Um, <laughs> so how many, how many albums should you have out when you start touring First, like um, an EP or, I mean, the, the way I look at it is like, you can, I, me personally, like I wouldn't tour until like you have people buying or streaming your music from all of the places that you're planning on going on tour to. Because okay. the scene when we were like, you know, the kind of the early 2000s or mid to late 2000s, like you could go tour and be completely unknown back then because people would just go to shows because like out of town bands are playing in, in, as far as like local underground kind of shit goes. Yeah. So it was doable back then. Technically now, like with the internet, everybody knows everybody can find out about anybody, you know? So if right, you have no, like underground to it, 
Yeah, anymore. I mean, even though it's still technically the underground, but yeah, like it's so if you don't if if you if no one knows who you are, like yes, you'll you'll land like a show once in a while where there's just other good locals that draw on a Friday night. You'll get some exposure, but if you don't have any product to deliver to people, like how would they ever remember you? If you don't have an album out, like yeah, yeah you might be really good at that show and people might cheer and mosh and be like, Oh, good set, dude. And like, you know, you'll feel great. But the next day they they don't remember your name or where they can find any of your music or anything, you know? Gotcha. So to me, there's no point in touring unless you're on like without having like a lot of music out anyways, unless you're on like a tour with bigger bands that draw people. Right. So what you're saying is don't, don't tour and rely on local bands. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, it's because I feel, dude, I feel like that happens way too much nowadays. Like, yeah, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like, it's tough because I see bands do that all the time in fucking Rochester. Exactly. And that's like, that's kind of what happens with you know the when the tour market gets kind of oversaturated like you have so many bands that all have you know a decent amount of streams online so they all want to tour at once but all of them can't tour on the same tour obviously so you know people like a lot of people aren't going to go to a show every single night of the week they're going to pick the ones that have a bunch of like a few bands that they like to go see rather than you know, maybe just one in a bunch of like, you know, local bands. I mean, granted, a lot of people do go to local shows and it's a huge important part of getting into music in general, you know, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like so to me, some bands like, you know, if you're if you're relying on on locals only for the draw most places, then, you know, you're yeah, not. it's what are you what like are you I really see, ac- accomplishing? I guess I like, see a bunch just... of fucking bands that tour and like by the time that that the headliner gets on everybody's gone and it's like yeah. fuck dude like we what? see those all the time <laughs> it's like what the fuck man you're a great band but like nobody's here yeah wow. and that's that's kind of the thing is like you know i i feel like every band if you're really serious about it you should go tour like go book like a a week or something that gets you a couple states away from home and just kind of see what living like that is like and everything and then yeah when you get home, you, you learn a lot. You learn like, okay, so we lost X amount of dollars because I don't think any band goes out and tours the first time and gains money. <laughs> well, uh, we made a thousand dollars. Yeah. We sold this many of our demo or our album or whatever. And then you kind of ask yourself, like, did we need, like, could we have sold this many records like doing something other than going on this tour? You know? Right. So yeah. when, if you lose a thousand dollars on a tour because you know, it's just you and like local bands and no one has any idea who you are, then you could have spent that thousand dollars on like a really awesome marketing campaign online for your album or for a single and probably gotten a lot more album sales out of it because that's really what touring is. It's to support an album. It's to promote your, your music. Now, now when you say, uh, like the campaign, what what do you give me? Give me a more in depth thing, like description okay. of that. So there's like plenty of companies or uh, public relations firms that specialize in like this kind of music, like metal. You pay mm-hmm. them X amount of dollars, they get your album on every like metal media website, like Metal Injection and Lamb Goat and stuff like that. Yep. yep. 
it just gets it out to places that you can't just as any person like I couldn't send our album to you know metal injection and be like hey can you review this and write an article on it because they get hundreds and thousands of those like every day but yeah the ones that they take are from from PR firms because they have a relationship with them already you know right they That's, probably get commissions off each yeah or so, something like that so it's just it, it gets you it gets you circulating more whereas before like the internet was you know this the standard in our way of living people would find out about music by just going out to shows that's why you know back then you could tour without a huge name and you'd still promote yourself pretty well because a lot of people went to just local shows to discover new bands that they'd never heard of yeah you know? now they just sit home on fucking spotify exactly so, so. it's kind of it's it's touring before it's like before you need to is kind of phased out by the internet now like you don't need to go spend a bunch of money on like playing to nobody when you could be home writing more music and better music and getting the exact same or more promotion for yourself. Right. Or do a live set. None saw yeah. it. I just did one and it fucking was sick, man. There was like 500 people watching man, Yeah, for yeah, a live, exactly. live video. That's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, like, so on with that press kit thing, do you have any like recommendations? Cause like I'm starting a new project and shit and I've never gotten that realm of mm. even thinking about that shit. So um, press kits are like, I, I mean, I guess they're still used. They're probably in a different way now. Like what most, what most people that can help you further your career in music, most of them, what they're looking at is, how many people you can draw in your own city as yeah. as a as a first thing i mean yep. there's other things there's other factors too like a lot of bands a lot of bands that get signed are um like from their their bands made out of people from other bands that were signed that have some kind of relationships they know that you're like you know a a label worthy songwriter so they'll check out what you send them because you know you at one point at least were deemed good enough to be signed to somebody yeah when you're when it's like the first time you're doing that at all or like you don't have you know industry relationships and stuff the best thing you can do is just put your music out and promote it like mm -hmm. the first thing they're going to look at is you know youtube plays spotify plays that kind of stuff it's like that's that's their gauge for how many people are interested in your music right um but then also, I mean, there's still it's it's rare nowadays, even though like it's kind of how the industry ran for a really long time until streaming and all that stuff. Like there's a rare occasion that you could just send a label your demo and they will sign you off of the demo because right. it's just because it's just that good or, you know, they they, they hear something that like they know is going to be like huge if it's produced the right way or something like that. That does happen still. It's just a lot rare. More rare. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've definitely seen bands that were like, they just wrote some really good songs and sent it to the label and, or sent it to somebody that put it online and it blew up, you know? Right. So one more question off the touring thing. This is kind of a fucking hilarious one, but okay. um, should you dump all of your money into merch or a reliable vehicle? Oof. Man, because That's... either you're you're not going to make any money on the tour or you're not going to make it back home. <clears throat> yeah. So um, it's kind of a 
kind of a double-edged sword there. Um, merch is always super important because you can sell that from home too. You know, it's always, mm-hmm. that's, that's your, you're literally as a, as a person in a band, you are literally a fucking t-shirt salesman. That is yep. like your, that's, your that's job. literally, yeah, that's all that's, you that's really make money off of. Yeah. It's, it's like, and then when you get to the next level, then you're more inspirational to people and uh, you have a lot more purpose than just selling t-shirts. But for the most part, when you're still in the grind stage, like you really have to think of it as like, we fucking sell t-shirts for a living and it's great. <laughs> we you know, are the t-shirt drug dealers. Yeah. You know, so like putting some money into merch designs is also another thing that is important because people don't buy shitty looking t-shirts. They buy cool looking t-shirts, you know? Um, Now, on the other side of that, a reliable vehicle, if you have a broken vehicle and you're in the middle of Texas and you live in Pennsylvania or something, you're going to sink a lot of money into it. So like you need, the answer to this is basically you need both. You, you, you can't yep. have one without the other. If you if you buy a brand new 15 passenger sleek looking van, but have nothing to sell to people, how would they ever remember who you are past the day that they saw you? Right. Yeah. It, I mean, when I came up with that question, I'm like, fuck, man. I mean, it, it's a very standard and dumb question, but it's like, I'm just curious on how they'd fucking answer. Because yeah. that's a tough one. <laughs> Yeah, I think you you need you definitely need both. Like most of the tours we do now, we just uh, we're lucky enough to have a guy in Pittsburgh that like rents uh, these big diesel vans to bands for tours. Right. Um, well, my so- my thing is, I see so many bands when they go on tour nowadays, and it's like, well, we're broke down. Can you give yeah. me a GoFundMe uh, check? It's like, dude, <laughs> like, if, but that, why are you so- driving a shitty fucking vehicle? If- right. So that, that brings you back to, you know, the first question, which was, uh, you know, when, when should you go on tour? If you can't afford to fix your, your vehicle to where you're stuck in the middle of nowhere without like just draining your life savings, then it's probably not the best idea to go on the road. Right. You know, like a lot, a lot of like big, bigger sign bands, like they, they, they draw enough people to where they make enough money so that if they have vehicle problems, they can pay to fix it. Or they're renting a vehicle where the maintenance is taken care of by the rental company as part of, you know, the contract you signed. Gotcha. You know, but if you're just trying to buy, like, like we've done so many tours in, like, beater vans that we spent, like, $1,200 on or something like that. <laughs> and, like, thinking, like, yeah, we got a sweet deal on this hog, you know. And, like, we get pretty far into the u.s and it's it's a this it's u.s it's a big country when you're driving yep. from one yep. side to the other like if you get stuck out in like utah or something like that, <laughs> you it costs a lot of money to like get yourself they're like oh home. it's a band let's raise that price up dude <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah that's the other thing too like and again back to motley crew like everybody thinks oh you're a band huh but you guys touring with motley crew or something you know and it's yeah. like no no, we don't have any money or anything. We can play you a song if you fix our transmission. 